What's up, everyone? This is Seth Mosley, and I want to welcome you to the Made It in Music podcast. Today, I'm talking with Tara Simon about how to write a song that anybody can sing. Tara is a professional celebrity vocal coach and has done a whole lot in her career, so I'm super excited that she's with us today. Tara Simon is a professional singer, songwriter, and celebrity vocal coach. She has starred on Broadway in New York City and has gone on an international tour with her Broadway show as Serena Katz. Since then, Tara has performed at a wide array of notable venues, released several hit singles on iTunes, and has performed for A-list celebrities and dignitaries such as Simon Cowell, Sugarland, Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, L.A. Reid, President Trump, and Governor Rick Scott. She became widely recognized as a top finalist on the second season of The X Factor. To date, Tara's YouTube reactions to vocalist performance have skyrocketed her into worldwide exposure once again. With hundreds of thousands of subscribers and millions of views overall, she's easily one of the most sought-after vocal coaches in the world. America's Got Talent star Angelica Hale and Broadway diva Lauren Locke are just some examples of some highly successful artists who study with Tara and rely upon her methodology for their vocal health and success. This episode was recorded along with our live online audience from our Song Chasers community. You can learn more about Song Chasers at joinsongchasers.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being on with us, Tara. Thanks, Seth, for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, and yeah, as Seth was saying, we're, we're new acquaintances through um, a mutual coach friend of ours and um, and kind of hit it off and, and had a lot to say. And so I'm happy to be th- be here today to um, offer some insight, um, some from a singer's lens in regards to songwriting and answer questions that you guys have. Yeah, let's go for it. Thanks so much for being on here. It's uh, I'm, I'm going to be taking notes alongside with everybody. Awesome. OK. Well, today I wanted to, I wanted to, again, this, this is all from the lens of a singer, right? And I've done a lot of co-writing with some people in Nashville throughout the years and in New York and in, in California. And one of the interesting things about, about co-writing, which I'm sure you guys have experienced is that sometimes you'll get uh, writers who are not singers at all. You'll get writers who are more hook writers, who are um, some, some more lyricists, some design are, are much more talented designing melodic line than they are with lyrics. And it's a great pairing when you get one of each of those, right? But sometimes neither of them are actual singers. Sometimes they're more like I can hum a tune and carry a tune in a bucket, but I'm not going to be the one selling this demo when all is said and done, right? And so basically I'd like, I'd, I'd love just, just for my own edification for everybody to write in the chat, like if you consider yourself a singer songwriter or a songwriter who can somewhat sing. Okay. Kathy's a singer songwriter. Great. Lots. Okay. Uh, Debbie songwriter who can sing singer songwriter, singer song, a lot of singer songwriters, Peg songwriter who can sing. Okay. Songwriter who fakes it. Thank you. Melodyne (laughs) Dave. Yes. Singer song, singer writer. Okay. So, so I think the majority would be singer songwriter and then close would be songwriter who can sing. And then there's Dave. (laughs) Okay. Two horse now. Okay. Charlene, I got you. I'm a songwriter that can sing some. Okay, so, and and can I have one more answer to a question? Who here in this chat has had a vocal lesson or more? Let me know just, yes, I have, or okay, great, Tiffany has. If you never have, then say never. Okay, wow, everybody seems to have. Never had one, Joshua, okay, great. Vocal major in college, Debbie, nice, okay. Okay, never, so Charlene and Joshua never had. Interesting, everybody else has. 
Excellent. Okay. So by the way, for those of you who haven't, you're totally fine. You're not behind or anything. Just for my own purposes, I wanted to know. All right. So most of us in here are people who are singer songwriters and people who have had a one or more vocal lessons. Awesome. So again, this is through the lens of a singer songwriter, right? This is, this is through the lens of someone who is a singer first. I am a singer first, and I happen to also be pretty decent at writing songs. Okay. For those of you who don't consider yourself a singer songwriter and you're on here, you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to also kind of get a really cool perspective from um, someone who is a singer songwriter. And I, I hope by the end of the call to kind of shift your mindset into being able to, at least even if you don't identify yourself as one of those things, I hope to shift your mindset into someone who can at least see through the eyes of someone who is, because I think it's really important as a writer and I'm going to tell you why. So today's topic is really like how, how, to, how to write a song, any song that anyone can sing. Yeah. And so there are a few key elements, really kind of four in particular that I want to go over today. There are many more that I could have added into this, but we would be in an eight week course and not a day long masterclass that lasts probably about an hour. So I kind of chunked it down to four things that I can best simplify for you guys to at least get you well on the way and the path to understanding what it takes to write a song that anybody can sing. Okay. Have you ever, and, and by the way, like this has happened to me in real life, but have you ever written a song and like, you're like, this is an amazing song. It's one of those songs that like took you like 10 minutes to write, you know, it's like awesome. And you go to try to sing it and you're like, crap. This is such a hard song to sing. There's nothing about this that's easy. And, and how am I going to, how am I now going to do anything with it? Or, and who else could sing this song other than like, I don't know, Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston or Jennifer Hudson. And, and I don't have access to those people. So now what do I do with this song? Right. It's happened to me before and I am a singer. Right. But I find that if I focus on these four things and I'm thoughtful and mindful of it, when I write music, the end outcome is such that I can write a song for anybody to sing. So the first thing I want to talk about, and you guys can take notes, but we're also recording this. I want to talk about melodic line design. All right. Um, for those of you who are newer, and I'm not sure where you are in, in Seth's program for the songwriting course, but melodic line is basically the melody. It's the melody that you're singing in a song. Okay. And again, there are songwriters that happen to be very gifted in melodic line design and they hear it even sometimes before a lyric is written. And I don't know if any of you guys are a part of this group right now that are melodic writers. If you are, go ahead and say yes in the chat. But if you are, you know what I'm talking about. You sometimes will hear hooky lines of melody without even knowing what lyrics you're gonna put to it. You're usually a melody first writer, okay? A lot of you guys are yeses for that, okay. And now some of you guys may kind of almost be, I like to call them um, poets. You, you may be a lyricist first and think only first of lyrics and say yes if, if you're that person too. Um, and you could be both, I'm, I'm totally both. I'm a hybrid, right? And it depends on my mood and probably yours too, but there are the people who think of the lyrics first and then they try to design melodic line around that. If you're both like me, a lot of times, my best songs are written where simultaneously I write lyrics, melody and chords all at once as I'm writing. And if you're that person, raise your hand and say, Yes to that too. Okay, Zelda, yes. Lyric sound, yes. Chord progression, everything. Right. And I kind of like that. It's very self-gratifying, right? Instant songs done kind of thing. You don't have to go back and repeat. Okay, lots of you guys. It would be nice to hear a melody. Yeah, okay. But your melodies suck. Okay, we'll get to that. That's fine. We're, I will get to that. I have, I have actual like tangible resources for you to, to help you with that. 
All right, so melodic line design. This is what I want you to try to do in regards to melodic line design now that we know what it is and maybe what your strength and weaknesses are. So we know that you're either a singer songwriter or a songwriter who sings. We know that you're either someone who goes to the melody first or goes to the lyrics first. Knowing who you are as a writer is, is nine tenths of the game, all right? So once now that you know that, I want you to take the genre that you're writing in. And I know that you're probably Correct me if I'm wrong, but most of you guys are either Christian or country songwriters. Tell me your favorite genre of music to write in in the chat, if you wouldn't mind. So whatever that genre is, as I'm reading through the answers, I want you to take that genre, Christian, country, pop, okay, Marissa, pop, whoop, whoop. And I want you, if you haven't done so already, this week, like even today, I want you to research the top charting songs of, well, since it's beginning of January, let's just say December, or I'll even let you do March because December was a Christmas month and you're probably going to get a lot of like, all I want for Christmas is use on there. So maybe go to November or maybe wait to the end of this month and go to January. So I want you to take the genre that you're writing that you prefer, any of those that you've put in the chat. And I want you to research the top charting songs of that month. All right. And it doesn't have to be like every single one, but like your top five, so to speak. Okay. And I want you, now we're talking about melodic design here only. I'm not talking about lyrics. I'm not talking about production. I'm not talking about if it's your favorite artist. I'm talking about melody only. You have to kind of compartmentalize that for me, okay? All right. So you're going to take that and you're going to write down the five top songs that you like most. It's not, they're already charted. So they've already, the, the point has already been proven that the song's a hit, right? So that's already out of the way. It's the ones that you relate to and like the most. You're going to take those top five and you're going to notice any, any patterns and similarities in the melodic line itself within them. Do you find that the choruses to all of those songs or most of those songs have longer, longer melodies? Are there less words in there? And are there places for the melodic line and the voice to soar? Or are they choppier and are they more wordy? Um, does the melodic line bounce? Does it skip? Are there a lot of steps or are there a lot of skips? Do you notice a lot of intervallic skips like fourths happen a lot for whatever reason in the chorus? Notice whatever patterns you can find, okay? And then I want you to combine that with what you know about your voice and its capabilities or the voice of the singer you plan to pitch the song to. So the purpose in which you're writing has a lot to do with the tools I'm about to give you. So again, you have to know a lot about you and why you're writing the song. I'm a singer songwriter. I am a melodic designer first. I'm a poet first, or I'm kind of a hybrid of both. I like this genre of music and the purpose of me writing the song is X. So is the purpose of me writing the song to license it? Is it to place it with another artist? Is it for personal use, right? Am I planning on just you know, putting it out into the, the web verse and seeing what happens. Do I want to put it on an album? Is it a single release? What are the stakes of this song, right? So if, if your purpose is known and the type of singer or songwriter you are is known, then when you do this exercise, it's going to become very clear to you how to combine what you notice about those patterns and also what you know about your capabilities or the capabilities of the singer who you're trying to pitch the song to his capabilities. And that is going to be your framework for how to design the melodic line of a song. So for example, cause I know that's a lot. For example, let's just say I'm trying to pitch a song to, I don't know, Megan Trainer. I don't know why her name came into my head. All about that bass, anybody? Yes. If I'm trying to pitch a song to her, I know she's an alto. She doesn't sing very high, right? Let's say I'm trying to pitch a song to, to Megs though, right? And you know, she had her baby, she's been out of vocal shape and I really wanna do like an all about that bass 2.0, okay? I'm not gonna put 
belt notes above a C in there for her because she's not going to be able to emotionally attach or be capable of easily singing that type of song. She's going to want something that accentuates her best, right? And so as a songwriter, if you're pitching something to someone like Megan, you need to know what her best is. You also need to know what's popular, what's trending, what's charting in order to combine those two things and make a song that will have the best chance of being grabbed up by her. Does that make sense? Say yes or no in the chat if, if you think it makes sense. The same thing goes for whether you are the singer yourself. And that's easier, right? Because you don't have to do recon on the capabilities of the singer that you're pitching to. If you know your voice, and this is where, for those of you who had vocal coaching, you know your range capabilities, you know where your singable notes should end and begin, then you are able to, within the parameters and confines of what you know your capabilities to be, to then write to your strengths as well. So going back to that whole, have you ever written a song that you now can't sing? That should never happen to you again. Because as you're writing, you're being thoughtful of the things that I've just said. And you're also knowing, you know what? I really want the client. It feels like this song needs to go up a third in this note in the chorus. But I've already started in the key of C. And I know that if it goes up a third, I'm going to hit an E5. And I really can't go past a D. So what do you do? Stop writing immediately. Go back and modulate that song down by a whole step or maybe two and see if your lowest note can still be sustained during that modulation down so that you can then comfortably hit the note that you want the melody to go to. You don't have to say, well, I can't sing that note, so I can't hit that. I can't make that melody. No, you could even so go so far as to say, that's the hook. That's the most important part. I can't quite hit that E and I can't really hit the lower note if I modulate down, but you know what I can do? I can change that one small little time where I go too low from my range if I lower the key and I can move that around. I can change that melodic design so that I can then hit that D that I know I can hit in the money section of the song. Does that make sense? So you're kind of, you know, yeah, shoot, I'm, I'm a chick. I want to be a size four, but I'm not. And I want to buy that dress as a size four, but I have to pick the size six on the rack because that's just the reality of the situation, right? It's, you don't have to not wear the dress. You just have to know what fits you. So that's melodic design, how to, how to design a melodic line that is thoughtful, that is forward thinking, intentional, and sets you or the singer that you're pitching the song for up for success. Does anybody have any questions quickly on that part before I move on to the singer's dream rhyming scheme? Okay, uh, here's a good question from Greg. How do you know the range of singers? All right, so Greg, I'm assuming that you play an instrument, yeah? So all you have to do is take those singers top charting songs. If you're pitching to a singer, right? They're going to have songs. If they're well-known enough for you to want to pitch to them, they've shown you already their range. All right. So you take, say their, their top five songs and you go and do a range audit. You go and you listen to the songs. You plunk out the lowest note you hear on all of those songs, write it down, do the same thing for their highest note. I would go a note above their lowest and a, a note below their highest so that you're setting them up for success, okay? They can always add to it. And you want a little bit of headroom for singers to be able to like put their own stamp on it and say, oh, well, I, this is the melody, but I can even do this. You know, that makes them feel excited about putting ownership themselves on the song, okay? But you just do a range audit on the top five songs that are their most popular because you, you want whatever you're writing to be a sister song to those most popular songs. That makes sense? All right. Singer's dream rhyming scheme. Yeah, that rhymed and I didn't intentionally mean it, but vocal songwriting course, why not? Um, so I'm going to give you two thoughts here and, and I'm going to give you things to avoid 
and I'm going to give you things to include. All right. And we're going to go with the avoid first because there's less of them. Nice. So rhyming, we're talking about words now here. So we're switching gears from melody and we're moving into lyrics. All right. And as a vocal coach, this is like a huge, a huge pet peeve of mine. Okay. So we're going to get into a little bit of vocal coaching here. And Michael's Mike Moore is saying, can vocal coaching improve a singer's range? Yes. hundred percent. It's one of the main things that we do to create tangible, like audible improvement. Like you can, you can actually measure the difference on paper and audibly as well. So yes, hundred percent. But these are things to avoid words and melodic lines that force you to sing in closed mouth vowels. Why? Well, as a vocal coach, I have a couple key, very branded phrases that I use to help a singer understand the mechanics of singing without being too vocal pedagogically snobby. Okay. And one of the ways I say that is any extreme note, high or low, needs two S's, space and support. Okay. So the support has everything to do with technique. We're not in a vocal coaching session, so I'm not going to go there with you today, although I could at some other point. Today, we're going to talk about space and space has everything to do with vowels, has to do with your pronunciation of vowels, your manipulation of vowels. But at the end of the day, it has to do with the vowels within the words that you choose to write. And that's why we're having this conversation because you're choosing to write the words that you're putting in these songs. It is a choice. You have all of the power right now to set yourself up lyrically for success as well to sing the song or for the artist to sing the song. So we're going to avoid vowels as best we can that are hard E's or hard O's. And the song examples that I'm going to give you for such writing is something like, and I will always love you, I, you. I hate singing on O's. It's not that I can't, and it's not that you can't, but it's a hard O. Other one, Star Spangled Banner. Or the land of the free. Why? Like, why? You have to manipulate that vowel to make it more open if you're going to hold it longer and not sound like you're choking yourself. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Those songs are like iconic songs, right? Like they made it. They're out there. They're the, they're the best, right? Everybody knows those songs. That's why I chose it as an example, right? Yeah, I get that. And that's fine. It doesn't mean that using closed mouth vowels won't allow the song to be awesome. It doesn't at all. It just means that these examples are songs that are very, very difficult to sing. They're kind of like a benchmark and that they're singers songs, right? And we're not trying to write songs in this context of, of songs that just anybody can sing or, or I'm sorry, we're trying to do that right now. We're not trying to write songs that only Whitney Houston could sing or that only stars and celebrities can sing at baseball games and football games. We're trying to write songs that everybody can sing. So I'm not saying that if you include these vowels in your songs, your song's not going to be a hit. No, what I'm saying is that a singer like me is going to be like, why? Or someone that someone like you, when your song is finished, is going to be like, I really wish I would have chosen a different vowel than that because it gives me anxiety every time I try to go to that note. And what you're going to do is you're going to hire someone like me to try to help you manipulate that vowel to open it up to sound like this. Or the land of the fray. And I'm going to change it. And I'm going to still make you think E, but say A so that you can sing the note and the vowel better and your vibrato comes out better and you can hold the note longer. Does that make sense? Okay. So it's thoughtful writing. Yeah. And again, it's not that E's and O's are taboo. It's just that if you really want to make your life easy or the life of the person who's, who's 
and you're intending to sing the songs easy, you want to avoid those vowels if possible. And remember, since you're writing the lyrics, you have a choice. It's not done. It's not written in stone yet. All right. So the second thing I want you to think about are things to include, right? So it's just the hard E's and O's that are no-no's if possible, but include, do include open mouth vowels in words whenever possible. A's, I's, O's, is even, uh, eh, is okay. Like it's not as, it's like sort of the middle of the road. Song examples would be, um, I drove all night to get to you. Nah, ah, nice open vowel, right? Or how do I get you alone? Get alone, nice, right? Or here's, here's um, let's, let's think of like a, a combo. So A, I, and uh, okay. Um, Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Right? Oh my gosh, I could do that all day long. It's so nice. It's open. It's easy for me, right? I wouldn't want to sing over keem or whatever. And on hard E on that top note, it, it would make my life miserable. It's not that I couldn't do it. It just cost me more vocal dollars to be able to do it. And I know you don't know what vocal dollars means. If you were a student or in my course, you would, but it's just it's more costly for you. And we only get so many vocal dollars a day, just like you get only such an amount of paycheck in your, in your check a, a week or every two weeks or month for you to spend, right? And then it's done and then you have to wait. And it's the same thing for the voice, okay? So any questions on the dream rhyming scheme, okay? We're avoiding the hard E's and O's and we're including the other ones, the A's, the I's, the O's, the is. Any questions on that? And yeah, Zelda, market research for songwriters, 100%. Make sense, Amelia? Yeah. Joelle, while you're making your pizza? Yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> or cookies, I don't know. I still haven't figured it out yet. Okay, vocal dollars, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I really like giving, giving imagery. Look, singing is very intangible, right? It, it's not like you can just you know, pick up a piano book and go through the pages and know you're making progress. It's, it's very difficult. And there are a lot of people out there who frankly, slap a logo on a website up and call themselves a vocal coach, but they don't really know how to enact true vocal change in a person's voice. I do. Um, and I do because I used to be a vocal student and I used to deal with teachers who they had great voices, but they didn't have the gift of, of getting down on my level and explaining how I do what they're doing. Right. And so all of that time and frustration for me really kind of birthed in me the calling to not let anybody else who came in contact with me anyway, suffer that same fate. So I really do try to use visuals and analogies like vocal dollars or like the two pillars of singing space and support and, and slogans like singing is 90% mental and 10% talent to help you guys really get a handle on the realities of singing and not just this vast mystical, I guess you're born with it kind of mentality. Cause that's a lie. All right. So we're going to move on to writing for vocal style. I love this because I love styling songs. Sometimes I do it too much. I like to season my food too much too. It's a thing. I guess it's just, I do too much of everything. So writing for vocal style, here's some thoughts to consider. All right. I want you to list three to five singers who have influenced you the most. And you don't have to do it in the chat, but do it like in notes or in your writing journal, or whatever. So list three to five singers who have influenced you the most over your life or as your lifetime as a songwriter and what about their voice speaks to you. Okay. Now, listen, I'm not talking about what about their songwriting? What about the music production? What about, no, I'm talking about their voice itself. What about the way that they are delivering the melodic line and the lyrics vocally gets to you three to five singers. 
doesn't have to be on a billboard top chart, by the way. It's just for you personally, because right now, writing for vocal style, what I'm giving you right now is building out the avatar of your style based on who you are, the essence of what you love as a person, not what you want to try to sound like. That's that's poser stuff. That's impersonation. There's only one you. And in order to get to your sound and your vocal style, you have to go through this process for you, not for what you think you should sound like, for what you actually sound like. There's a difference. Okay. So three to five singers who have influenced you the most and what about their voice itself really gets to you, really speaks to you. Okay. Then after you do that, you're going to list three to five songs that you feel most resonate with you as a songwriter? And what about those songs make you feel that way? Again, this is not then about the vocal delivery. It's not about the production of the song. And if you really just love the string section, that has nothing to do with it. We're talking about lyrics and melody only. So if all of that was stripped away and someone who could only marginally sing the song sang it, and if it was just guitar and vocals or piano and vocals, would you still feel the same way about that song? Three to five songs that you feel most resonate with you in that way lyrically and melodically. Yeah. Okay. Then you're going to take the explanations of those whys. Cause you're going to explain to me, you're going to list the songs three to five times singers, three to five times songs. And you're going to tell me why you feel that way about those things. So you're going to take the whys after you've done that of those three to five each, and you're going to create descriptive words and adjectives and make another list. Do you see where I'm going with this? So you're gonna make another list. So let me give you a very quick example. If, if I love the song, if I love the vocals of At Last, I love Etta James' vocal delivery of At Last. Okay, I'm only gonna do one each for time. And let's just say I love the songwriting of Jesus Take the Wheel. Totally different, completely different. It doesn't even have to be the same genre, right? Shouldn't be actually. I'm gonna write descriptive words of why, like texture. I love Etta James' texture, vocal flexibility. I love, I love her manipulation of timing, how she goes behind the tempo and above the tempo and, and manipulates the time, even though underneath is constant. I love, I love the songwriting of Jesus Take the Wheel because, it's got to be a why, because I love that it's faith-based. I love the longing in it. I love the desperation in it. I love the descriptive words in it. I love the storytelling in it. I love the surrender. Oh, I'm letting go. Give me one last chance, right? So you see, I'm, I'm using these words, right? Okay. And I'm creating this verbal storyboard of what really makes me who I am as a singer and as a songwriter. And for vocal style, you have to know what really gets to you in order to then impart it into your vocal delivery of any song. Does that make sense? Okay. So this is the storyboard of your style. And then once you have these adjectives and look, you write down as many, just like word vomited out, right? Write down as many as you want. Once you're finished, then go back, refine it, pick apart the ones that you don't feel are really as hard hitting. Like there might be some that overlap. You might have a little bit of fluff in there. You might've just put something in there because you think like your list is not long enough. Okay. Go back and refine it and see if you can get to like 10 or 20 single words or short phrases. Don't be, be pithy about it. Don't be long-winded. Like I love this song because it just makes me feel, it reminds me when I'm a kid. Let me tell you that. No, like very short phrases or one word responses of descriptions. Okay. 10 to 20 of those. And if you want to take it a step further, which I suggest you doing, we really want to bring life again, visuals, right? Make it as tangible as possible. So take that storyboard, that verbal storyboard of those 10 or 20 lists of words or short phrases 
And then I would even go so far and have gone so far for my artists as to create congruent colors and textures that you feel would go well with this vibe that you've got going on to bring a visual and tangible physical element to it all. So going back to my example of Carrie Underwood and Etta James, all right? Let's just say my words are, again, deep feeling, longing, and vocal flexibility, all right? I'm then going to take some colors to that. And I feel like those three to me are like, like a maroon and a mahogany brown. And I feel like it's, it's like a, like a cobalt blue. Right. And then I'm going to think, okay, well, what kind of texture? Like, I feel like right now I'm thinking in my head, especially vocal flexibility. I'm thinking of like, like silly putty that like bends, you know, something that's, that's very fluid that bends or like a straw that bends in all different directions. And then I'm thinking of like a rich velvet also for like that longing, right? That, that storytelling element of it. So do you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm actually like creating this whole avatar of a feeling and not just feeling and leaving it there, but of a visual of that and a feel of that too. So that when I go to write, I say, this is who I am. Okay. Charlene is saying, I don't understand the colors. So Charlene, have you ever, have you ever been told like, wow, you have such a bright smile, like it's like sunshine, right? And then you get this image of yellow because someone said the word sunshine. So that's what I mean. So for me, and it, you could have a totally different color, but for me, when I think of like the word longing, I think of like fall colors or like rich tones, like, like a cobalt blue. And then when I, when I think of like, um, like vocal flexibility, I think of that straw, right? Or let's say, let's say one of your words was uh, texture. I would think of like a velvet, like a, like something that's very, fun to touch that kind of moves or does something. Yeah. What we're trying to do in doing this, it's not to be weird and it's not to be abstract. It's to actually try to create some, some clarity, some, some tangibility to what is not tangible, which is writing a song. You're creating something out of, well, freaking nothing. Right. So we want to be able to then say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what it kind of looks like. And when I go to write a song that, that has these qualities in it, I'm going to try to make it velvety. I'm going to try to make it fluid. I'm going to try to make, make it bendy like a straw. I'm going to try to think of those colors. I might even have them around me when I write to create this melodic line that might be a little melancholy. It might be behind the tempo. It, does, that, does that make sense? I'm trying to put into physicality what is not in, in physical form. And by doing this storyboard exercise, you're really allowing your brain to wrap itself around the intangible and create something more tangible out of it that's closer and more directly related to what I believe would be your vocal style. We'll probably have questions on that. I'm going to save it for the Q&A at the end. Uh, Marissa, I love this. I've always struggled with starting a starting place for how to put myself in my songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I get it. I totally get it. Like sometimes the mood strikes when you're writing a song and you're like, I literally have the worst writing ever because of songwriting. I'm a lefty. doesn't help. But when I go to write a song, sometimes, Joelle, when I go to write a song, sometimes it comes out so fast. I cannot write quick enough. I don't even bother putting I's or T's or doing any of that. I'm like, yeah, right. So I understand that the, when the mood hits and when inspiration hits, you're like, I don't have time to do pre-pro and storyboarding all the stuff out. Don't, don't do it in the midst of it when it's too late. Do it now. Like before you try to write a song, know who you are, know who your style is now as a songwriter so that you're set up for success when that moment strikes. And you're like, I already know. I've got my list here of adjectives. I've got my colors. I've got my textures. I'm going to pull this, this, and this. Boom, here we go. You don't have to do it then. Do it now. 
Yes, left is best. Whoop, whoop. Yes, incorporating all the senses. Exactly. Okay, we're gonna move on, and this is uh, this is gonna be the last section before I open it up for Q and A. So be thinking of any questions you want to ask me. It, by the way, doesn't have to be related to the topics we discussed. If you have personal business questions or anything else um, to ask me, I'm, I'm happy to answer that. All right, how to demo your song as a singer? Yeah. So again, this goes back to the purpose of why you wrote the song in the first place. Are you writing it for yourself? Are you writing it for someone else? Are you wanting to license it, place it, whatever? You only, you know that. But the very first thing and the most important thing I want to tell you in regards to demoing your song is this. Pre-production and humility. I know that's probably not what you were expecting me to say, but it is the most important thing you can possibly do for your song. Think about it like a child, because that's how I think about my songs, right? They're your babies. Your mindset and mantra at all times throughout the process of recording that song that's finished should be whatever is best for the song, period. I know it's personal. I know you wrote it. I know that you may have this deep connection to the song and maybe you had a parent that passed and it's in honor of them and it's super personal and no one's, no one's going to tell you, you know, which way to go or not on this song. It's not going to go anywhere if that's your mindset. I promise. There's no pride in the success of any song. Your mantra should always be what is best for the song. And that is even to the extent of maybe what isn't best for you, because it's not about you anymore. It's about the life of the song. Just like I might be pregnant with a child and it's about me because I'm carrying that child. But once that child is born, it's no longer about me. It's about the life of that child. Right? So again, what is best for the song? So what could be best for the song? Well, what's best for the song may mean that even though you're a singer songwriter, it may mean that another singer cuts the vocals because for whatever reason, the timbre and texture of their voice or the story that they're telling with their voice, it might be better for the song. It might mean that even though you're a kick butt guitar player, you are too close in relation to the song and, and you don't have good perspective. It's, it's just too closely related and you need to have another musician cut the instrumentals for your song. It may mean if you're an engineer that you need to have another engineer work on the song and produce the song, whatever is best for the song. It may mean that you need to do all three of those things, even though you'd love to hire it out, but no one is cutting the mustard like you know you can. That's a tough one. I often like delegating way more than I like doing it myself, but you may need to be the it person for everything, but whatever's best for the song. Remember why you created the song in the first place. That's my second point. What's the end goal and function of the piece? licensing, artist placement, personal use, what's the end goal, okay? And finally, clean and simple demos is always key. We are not talking, we're talking about demoing the song right now, guys, right? We're not talking about, oh, releasing it on Spotify. We're talking about like getting it to a manager of an artist, or we're talking about like seeing if this company might wanna pick it up and then we'll build the rest of the song out. Or we're just even talking about demoing it out so that we have perspective on whether this verse should be in this place or not format wise. Who knows, right? But clean and simple when you're talking about a demo is always the best, especially in context of pitching a song to another artist. And I, I see this so much. I struggle with it a lot because I've worked with a lot of singer songwriters and I've worked with a lot of singer songwriters whose intention is to place songs with bigger artists. And because they're singer songwriters themselves, they think, well, if I just perform this well enough, and if I just hit this note or riff off this note enough, then certainly Rihanna's going to pick it up. And I'm like, Rihanna, A, may not even listen to it. And B, if she does, 
She doesn't want to hear you in the song. She wants to hear her in the song through you so that she can relate, attach, and then pick up the song. And eventually, essentially, that's what you want too. But sometimes our ego gets in the way and we think, well, if we just try hard enough then, right? But that's not the case. It's not about you or you in the song. It's about how the song makes the person who's picking it up feel. And that goes for whatever your purpose is, if it's outside of yourself, licensing, artist placement, whatever. If it's for you and if it's for personal use, then that's a different story, right? But I would still recommend if it's a demo to make it clean. Don't add, and again, I'm, I'm speaking to myself because I'm a riffer and a runner, right? But don't add all that stuff into a demo. You want to be... It's, it's like, um, it's like a very clear map, you know, you, you don't need all of the leaves on the trees and the mountains. You just need a little carrot for the mountain. You need a little path with dots. It's an outline. It is not the finished product. Okay. So think stick figure life here, not complete artistic painting that costs 10 grand. All right. You don't want the stick figure to suck. It needs to have a straight spine, but it doesn't need to be more than a stick figure. It needs to be really clean, really easy to hear and let the song breathe life of its own within the context of that example. I hope this helped you guys and I hope it was informative. I don't wanna like belabor it or make it longer than it needs to be. Um, I think I said what I wanted to say in regards to helping you guys write for singing. And again, if you, uh, nice to meet you everybody. If, uh, if you wanna check out any of the courses or the website, please do. And if you want the free tutorials, just check out um, who, who did that in the chat. Absolutely, and if, if people are listening to this on a podcast for the replay, what's a good URL? for people to check you out. You can find everything just by going to terrasimonstudios.com or if you want to look up me look me up on YouTube, you can just like search Tara Simon Studios on YouTube and I'll pop up as well. Awesome. Hey, well this has been a this has been a, a blast. I've learned a ton. You're a an amazing singer, an amazing teacher and uh, I'm excited to hear your new stuff that you're working on as well too. So many things. Yes. Thanks, Seth. It was a pleasure being here and God bless you guys. You know, um, this is great that you're investing in yourself and growing your craft. You know, you're in the 1% just by being here and, and saying yes to yourself for doing that. Cause not a lot of people do. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful and important thing. So thanks for entrusting me today with your time and, and for entrusting Seth with your talent. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tara. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks everybody for logging on. We will see you uh, sometime. Well, actually tomorrow morning, we've got our weekly coffee chat. So we'll see you then. All right. Bye, -bye. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Made It in Music podcast. In addition to this episode, we also recorded a Q&A session where some of the songwriters in our Song Chasers community were able to ask their own questions. We'll release that episode shortly after this one make sure to check out other episodes of the Made It In Music podcast. We have well over 100 interviews with some of the top music industry pros, many here in Nashville and many from all over the world. Subscribe to make sure that you automatically get future episodes and leave us a review if you loved it. It would really help us out. Or you can send an email to support at fullcirclemusic.com if you have ideas for how we can improve the show. If you would like to become a Song Chasers member and attend these trainings live, then head over to joinsongchasers.com to learn more. You also get additional exclusive trainings from me. You get our Track Suite Pro software, and you get song reviews from me and my team. And you get access to a custom social media network we created exclusively for songwriters and musicians. There is nothing else like it on the internet. 
So head over to joinsongchasers.com to learn how to join. And check out madeitinmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.